0: Welcome to the Living Rock Podcast. Lord, we just do thank you for your word, Lord, which we, we love so much. We thank you, Lord, that this morning the word of God is living and active yes. and is power to salvation, the power of salvation this morning, Lord. And so as we read and enjoy the scriptures together this morning... We pray all power will be let loose in this place to save, to heal, to transform, Lord to reinvigorate, to bring life and vitality, Lord to lift us up in your presence and to enable us to know where we're seated and Lord what you've given to us and what you intend to do for us and through us, Lord. So. We give you thanks this morning, Lord. Amen. 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 Good. If you would um, turn with me, please, to Romans chapter 8. Um, when, we, when we decided we'd spend some time in Romans, we, uh, we decided we'd have the, the weekly reading plan, which we're now up to week, coming into week 15, I think. Um, just, so, just so that we put every mind at rest, the plan wasn't that we'd always share and preach from the chapter being read, the readings were to just to help us read through, and we're trying to be a little bit more flexible uh, with, the, with the preaching and teaching, and so we're going to take you back to Romans 8 this morning, yeah. because quite simply, this is one of the most important chapters in the New Testament. Uh, I'll tell you why I say that. In John 16, uh, verse 5, Jesus says, I'm going away to him who sent me, and not one of you asks me, where are you going? Yet because I've spoken these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. Nevertheless, I'm telling you the truth. It's for your benefit that I go away, because if I don't go away, the counselor will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And we know he's talking about the Holy Spirit. And Romans 8 has more references to the Holy Spirit than any other chapter in the New Testament. 21 times the Holy Spirit is mentioned in Romans chapter 8. Um, By the way, just before we start, this, this should be obvious to all of us, but Jesus said, I'm going to send him to you. We're talking about a person, yeah. right. not a power. He has power. Yeah. He's not a power. He's a person. Yeah. He has a personality. Yeah. He speaks. He, uh, he urges. He encourages. He's a person. So, so I j- just say that before we kick off today. Um, and, and Romans 8, if you're there, begins with these words, Therefore there's no condemnation. Romans 8 ends with a, a wonderful passage. Um, in my Bible, it's headed The Believer's Triumph. But it's essentially to say, do you know what? There's no separation from God. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. And this chapter, which starts with this great statement, there is no condemnation, and ends by telling us there's no separation. And um, if you look at the, the way I've put this on the screen, in between, no condemnation and no separation, everything in between has to do with the Holy Spirit. Yeah. And so much of this chapter concerns the Holy Spirit. Um, Jesus, when he says, I'm going to send another counselor to you, uh, the word he uses is this, this, this word Paracletos. And um, he uses that word a few times in in John's Gospel. It literally means one who comes alongside. And so different translations use these kinds of words. An advocate. A um, a comforter. A counsellor. A helper. An intercessor. A strengthener. A standby. Um, The message just says he's, he's the friend. Capital F. He's the friend. He's the one who comes alongside. I just want to say to us this morning, he's the one who's cheering us on. He's the one who's cheering us on. And in Romans 8, um, what we'll find as we look at this together is all of these characteristics of this most wonderful person, the Holy Spirit. The most wonderful person on earth today. The most wonderful person, all these characteristics are sort of laid out before us in Romans eight therefore, um, maybe I could say this: we meet the spirit in more fullness than anywhere else, perhaps, yeah. maybe anywhere else in the new testament and this chapter goes goes way beyond the fact that he gives gifts, he enables us to speak in other languages, he um, anoints our worship he he um, he, he moves in sensational ways, all of those things are true but in this chapter we, we discover much more about his personality, his work his love his longing his devotion to us his empowering, his enabling, his, his walking with us, his cheering us on okay um, one, of, one, one person, F.B. Mayer, some of you will know that name, Is a um, great leader and writer from years ago, he says in Romans 8, here is the life giving power of spring. Okay, very appropriate because we seem to have an early spring right now. Here is the life giving power of spring, which shall cause seeds buried within us to burst forth in the garden of the Lord. And that's my prayer this morning, that, that as we read this, as, 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 the, as the power of this gospel message comes, something will burst forth, the fresh light of spring. Now before we read Romans 8, just have a look back to Romans 7 and verse 6, because um, Paul doesn't say actually much about the Holy Spirit until we get to Romans 8. He's got other things, as you've read through this, this um, epistle, you'll know he's had to deal with so many other Um, so many other things he's had to explain before we get to this. But in Romans 7, verse 6, there's there's this tantalizing hint of something we're about to discover more of. He says, Now we've been released from the law since we've died to what held us. And of course, he's explained a lot about that in Romans 5 and 6, how Christ has created this new way for us. Now we've been released from the law Since we've died to what held us, so that we may serve in the new way of the Spirit and not in the old letter of the law. And what we're going to look at this morning is a whole new way of living. It's the new way of the Spirit, or or as the New Living Translation um, on the screen behind me says, this is the new way of living in the Spirit This is the new way of living in the Spirit. This is is a new life he's describing. This is a new lifestyle he's describing. And I want to say, church, for all of us, this is the way he wants us to live. This is is what he's cheering us on to live like. This is is wonderful stuff we're about to get into. And so, without further ado, let's read Romans 8. I'm just going to read it, and we're going to come back to different sections and say more about them. So reading from the... Holman, Christian Standard Bible. Therefore, and, and by the way, that that exuberance in worship, it ought to be as present now as we read the scriptures. Okay, so so carry on with your hallelujahing and your whooping and your your clapping and your cheering. Therefore, no condemnation now exists for those in Christ Jesus. Amen. Because the Spirit's law of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and of death. What the law could not do because it was limited by the flesh, God did. He condemned sin in the flesh by sending His own Son in flesh like ours, under sin's domain, and as a sin offering. In order that the law's requirement would be accomplished in us, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For those whose lives are according to the flesh, think about the things of the flesh. But those whose lives are according to the Spirit, think about the things of the Spirit. For the mindset of the flesh is death, but the mindset of the Spirit is life and peace. For the mindset of the flesh, is hostile to God because it does not submit itself to God's law for it's unable to do so. Those whose lives are in the flesh are unable to please God. You, however, are not in the flesh but in the Spirit since the Spirit of God lives in you. But if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ he does not belong to Him. Now if Christ is in you The body is dead because of sin, but the spirit is life because of righteousness. And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you, then he who raised Christ from the dead will also bring your mortal bodies to life through his spirit who lives in you. So then, brothers, we're not obligated to the flesh to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you're going to die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. All those led by God's Spirit are God's sons. For you did not receive a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit Himself testifies together with our spirit that we're God's children. And if children, also heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. Seeing that we suffer with Him so that we may also be glorified with Him. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that's going to be revealed to us. For the creation eagerly waits with anticipation For God's sons to be revealed, for the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it, in the hope that the creation itself will also be set free from the bondage of corruption into the glorious freedom of God's children. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together with labor pains until now, and not only that, but we ourselves, who have the spirit, as the firstfruits, we also groan within ourselves, eagerly waiting for adoption, the redemption of our bodies. Now in this hope we were saved. Yet hope that is not seen is not hope. Hope that is seen is not hope, because who hopes for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we eagerly wait for it with patience. In the same way, the Spirit also joins to help in our weakness. Because we do not know what to, pray for as, what to pray for as we should. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us with unspoken groanings. And he who searches the hearts knows the Spirit's mindset. Because he intercedes for the saints according to the will of God we know that all things work together for the good of those who love God those who are called according to his purpose for those he foreknew he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son so that he would be the firstborn among many brothers and those he predestined he also called and those he called he also justified and those he justified he also glorified What shall we say about these things? If God is for us, who's against us? He did not even spare his own son, but he offered him up for all of us. How will he not along with him grant us everything? Who can bring an accusation against God's elect? God is the one who justifies. Who's the one that condemns? Christ Jesus is the one who died, but even more has been raised. And he also is at the right hand of God and intercedes for us. Do you know you've got two of the Trinity are interceding for you? Who can separate us from the love of God? Can affliction or anguish or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, because of you we're being put to death all day long, we're being counted as, as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than victorious through him who loved us. For I am persuaded, I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing will have the power to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. 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 This, my friends, is life in the spirit. And I, I'm persuaded it's the life we long for. I'm persuaded it's um, the life we're born for. Uh, I believe it's entirely possible to live this way. And so let's look at um, some things. Um, if you'd put the next slide up, Marina. Uh, I don't know whether you spotted these as we went through. You wouldn't have spotted all those words. But I want us to look at these things together. First of all, verses 1 to 4 tell us, there is now no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus because the Spirit's law of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and death. What the law could not do since it was limited by the flesh, God did. And he condemned sin in the flesh by sending his own son in flesh like ours under sin's domain and as a sin offering in order that the law's requirements would be accomplished in us who do not walk according to the flesh but according to the spirit. First things first. There is no condemnation for anyone who is in Christ Jesus. Don't get confused by the end of chapter 7 where Paul talks about this wretched man and how he doesn't want to do the things he... I believe the end of chapter 7 is is what Paul was. As verse 13 says, On the contrary, sin, sin in order to be recognized as sin was producing death. But therefore, no condemnation now exists. That's the old life. This is the new life. That's what we were. This is what we are. Paul and you and me, we were trapped in this terrible cycle of doing things to please our flesh. When Paul uses this phrase, fresh, he means means the the corrupted, fallen, sinful self-effort. We were trapped in this cycle of doing things to please the flesh... But now in Christ, we've been set free, and there is no condemnation. When he speaks about the law of sin and death, and um, he uses the law in a couple of different ways. On on one occasion, he's talking about the law, the Old Testament law. But when he talks about the law of sin and death, he's just talking about a principle. There's there's a principle. There's an inevitability. there's There's a chain of events. He calls it the law of sin and death. It's like the law of gravity. And it has the same sort of effect. It pulls us down. Or it pulled us downwards. There was this inevitable chain of events that indwelling sin, original sin, meant we could never resist temptation. And we sinned. And our sins inevitably were leading us to death. That's the principle, the, the law of sin and death. And that's the regime that we used to live in used to live in we used to live in that regime the dominion of darkness under the power of the ruler of of this world but now we are under a new regime and there's a guaranteed inevitable outcome of this regime also this is the law the principle of the spirit of life or I think um Um, Another version says the the law of the life-giving spirit. You and I are now born from above. Everything changed. We were transferred out of the dominion of darkness and into the kingdom of the Son whom he loves. We are in a new regime. We're under a new principle. We live under a new set of principles and laws and inevitabilities. And the inevitability of this life is that it's a life of the Spirit and He brings life. And we're not condemned. Now, don't get me wrong, the Spirit will prod us and poke us and do whatever He needs to do to convict us, to help us change. But He will never condemn us. We are not condemned. We walk Verse 4, according to the Spirit. It's a daily way of life. Galatians 5 talks about keeping in step with the Spirit. We walk with Him. We we do all we can to stay in step with Him. And if we're sensitive, if we're we're pliable, if we're yielded, He'll always help us stay in step with Him. More about that in in just a moment. The law of the Spirit is a higher law. It's kind of like The law of aerodynamics kind of trumps the law of gravity, doesn't it? We're not inevitably pulled downwards. We can be lifted up. And the law of the Spirit is a higher law, a higher authority than the law of sin and death. And that is the regime that you and I are in. Amen? Just look at the way he um, um, says in verse 2. The Spirit's law of life has set you free from the law of sin and death. You set you free. Linda set you free. This is personal and, and corporate, but it's personal. He set you and me free. This is what the Spirit does. This is the new way of living. The Spirit invites us to live under a new regime where we can live free, where we can live far above this crippling cycle of weakness and temptation and failure and sin and separation. This now is our new way of living by the Spirit. And I just want to reinforce and echo what Richard said earlier. Today... You can come into this new life. Today. You can come into this new life. You can come into this new way of living. Let, let me tell you a little bit more about it. Verse 5 says, For those who live according to the flesh think about the things of the flesh, but the those who live according to the Spirit think about the things of the Spirit. He's talking about the way we think. He's talking about what our focus is, what our preoccupation is, what our gaze is. Those who live according to this think about the things of the Spirit. For the mindset of the flesh is death, but the mindset of the Spirit is life and peace. And the mindset of the flesh is hostile to God because it does not submit itself to God's laws. It's unable to do so. But those who are in, uh, those who are in the flesh cannot please God. You, however... At no point in this passage is Paul saying, this is your daily battle. He's making two contrasts. Saying, that's how you were. This is how you are. He's kind of saying in in these verses, uh, let me just finish. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. Because the spirit of God lives in you. But if anyone doesn't have the spirit of Christ, he doesn't belong to Christ. But if you belong to Christ, the spirit lives in you. Paul's describing two quite distinct ways of thinking. And here we come into a new mindset. Two ways of thinking. In opposition to each other. The mindset of the flesh. The mindset of the the spirit. The one cannot please God. The other cannot cannot displease him. Now we're in Christ. Now we have a totally new way of thinking. You you may be more or less aware of that, but I believe the Scriptures. If you're in Christ, then the Spirit of God lives in you. Therefore, we have the mindset of the Spirit. Yes? Yes? Paul's not describing a constant conflict in the daily life of the Christian. He's describing two mutually exclusive ways of life, two different types of people, flesh people, spirit people. And if you are born again, you can only be of this type, born of the spirit, born from above, a spirit person. Hands up in this room if you know you're sitting next to a spirit person that's good to see good to hear Um, all of this all of this he says in verse nine he says the spirit who lives in you the indwelling spirit who brings us into this new life who gives us a totally radical new way of thinking as we yield to him as we listen to him as we let him say things to us that change us, as we let our spirits, even in worship, as we let the spirit stir our spirits and we become more sensitive to what we're declaring on a Sunday when we gather like this. The spirit is changing our mindset. As we pray and suddenly we remember that we've got an issue with somebody, and we remember what the word says, you should sort that out. As we do that, we're, become, we're starting to yield to him. We're starting to live more and more in the reality of a mindset of the spirit. It's the life that's entirely possible because it's the life we've been born, born again into. What does the spirit do? He gives us this wonderful new way of thinking. He comes alongside us. He lives within us. He reorders our priorities. He retrains our reactions to things. He reconfigures our habits. It's the new way of living. It's the new way of living. And then there's another thing, and I've used used an interesting word for this. I'll just read the Scriptures first. If Christ is in you, verse 10, the body is dead because of sin, but the Spirit is life, or, or, or the Spirit gives life because of righteousness. And if the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you, this this there was a, there was a stirring when we read this earlier then he who raised christ from the dead will also bring your mortal bodies to life yeah. through his spirit who lives in you yeah. here's my new word there's a new aliveness i just think a new word a new word of sermon is a good principle isn't it a new aliveness meaning this and um somebody Looked to this earlier and said, do you mean a new vitality? It's much more than that. It's a new aliveness. If Christ is in you, he is in you. He brings life. The spirit brings life. Our bodies may well be subject to aging and decay. There was an original sin. We all live uh, with bodies that reflect some of the outcome of that. But the spirit gives life. And of course, what he's talking about, first of all, is there's a coming day when Jesus returns. We will be resurrected. There will be bodily resurrections. But even here and now, is it not the case that our bodies can experience resurrection life? There can be a quickening. There can be a new vitality. There can be a new aliveness in our bodies. The Lord wouldn't speak about a haven of health if that weren't the case. He wants to refresh and release... And heal and and restore physical bodies, minds, emotions, here and now in this age. Amen? Amen. Amen. That's really important that we we believe that together. He wants to come against emotional distress. And mental turmoil. And bodily sicknesses. And I don't know whether this, this is the best link but I just thought of that verse that Mike preached on a couple of weeks ago therefore by the mercies of God I urge you to present your bodies as living sacrifices and I know we don't normally think of it in this context but I want to present my body to the Lord say Lord quicken me keep me alive keep me young, keep me fresh keep me vital there's much to be done He 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 wants a church full of quickened bodies healthy emotions, stable minds, a haven of health. What does the Spirit do? He he, he does all these things. He raises us, He lifts us. He's the Spirit of Him who raised Christ from the dead. That, That was no, what can I say? That was no small thing. All the sin of the world, all the demonic powers, at Satan's disposal, all pressed on Jesus. I, I prefer to think he drew them to himself. He drew them all to himself. He died under their weight. We cannot. We we can't even come close to being on the edges of being on the right at the periphery of imagining it. He received in himself. All of that, and the, by the Spirit of God, God raised him from the dead. The Spirit of Him who raised Christ from the dead is living in you. Wow, that that's enough to come. That's enough to come here for this morning, isn't it? just to know that the Spirit of Him who raised Christ from the dead is living in me, Amen. is living in you Amen. he's alive in me, he's alive in you yeah. he's bringing life he doesn't just want to wait till this one, this one um, Back. he wants to do it here and now yeah. <laughs> praise God verse 12 so then brothers we're not obligated oh, this is powerful, this is good So then, brothers, listen carefully. We are not obligated to the flesh to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you are going to die. That's the law of sin and death. That's the principle. That's the inevitability. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. I really believe the next few minutes are going to be very relevant for some people in this room. We are under no obligation to the flesh. The corrupted, fallen, sinful self-effort, the appetites, the passions, the lusts of the flesh, we're under no obligation to them. You owe your flesh, nothing. You owe your past, nothing. You are no longer enslaved to those things. All your debts have been paid. Paul says, now by the Spirit we can put to death the deeds of the body. It literally means we can crucify, we can make extinct the deeds of the body. Or the NIV says, the misdeeds of the body. The Holy Spirit, this is part of the new way of living, the Holy Spirit enables and empowers us to put to death fleshly ways. Now, don't get me wrong, we're on this side. There is no condemnation. There is conviction to help us change. Yeah. And by the Spirit, we can put to death fleshly ways. We can kill Sin. Kill sin. We can overcome sin. We can live godly, pleasing lives. I came across a a really powerful verse in Romans 13, verse 14. The last verse of Romans 13. And in this translation, I was very struck with this. But put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no plans to satisfy the fleshly desires sometimes we make plans to do that but part of putting on the lord jesus is to make a decision that you you and i or me and you let me start with me me and you will make no plans to satisfy the fleshly desires i can kill sin you can kill sin We have a new power to live powerfully. All of this is impossible by self-effort. It's only by the Spirit. It's by the Spirit. But he gladly comes alongside to help us. Remember, he's cheering us on. He wants to help us live this new way of life. Now, we may still face temptation. We may slip back into old habits. We may fail. We may need to restart. I'd say that's a high probability But with the Spirit's help, we can become who we are. Love this quote by R.A. Torrey, writing over 100 years ago. He says, in the Spirit's power, it is our privilege to get daily, hourly, constant victory over the flesh and over sin. What a wonderful thought. We can get daily, even hourly, victory over flesh and over the sin. Over sin Do you believe it's possible for you to not sin for the next ten seconds? Yes. Okay. Show of hands. Who believes you could you could live without sin, without sinning, for the next ten seconds? Hands up. Okay. The next thirty seconds. The next minute. Uh. The next hour. I'm not, I'm not really. I am looking, but I'm just taking nothing in. Don't worry. You're all a big blur at the moment. It's not the eyesight. The next, the next day. Could, 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 could you live the next day without sin, do you reckon? Good. I, 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 I like this. R.A. Tori. I believe him, It's possible to get daily, hourly, even constant victory over the flesh and over sin because we're free from the past. We don't have to go back. We don't have to relive it. We're free. I'm free from past passions and sins and excesses and excuses. I'm free from sexual sin, from bitterness. Some people here today, I believe, they are the issues. Freedom from sexual sin. Freedom from bitterness. And I wouldn't say this is a sin, but I just want to also say freedom from a cripplingly low self-esteem. Free from self-harming. Free from eating disorders. In the message, these verses say this. This is great. Don't you see that we don't owe this old do-it-yourself life one red cent? I don't know what a red cent is, but... Don't you see that we don't owe this do-it-yourself life one red cent? There's nothing in it for us, nothing at all. The best thing to do is give it a decent burial and get on with your new life. God's Spirit beckons. There are things to do and places to go. Folks, he's cheering us on. There are things to do. There are places to go. And the Spirit makes it entirely possible for us to live every day free from that old law of sin and death. We can kill sinful habits. We can overcome every weakness. We can live the way we long to live. This is our new way of living, by the Spirit. And then verse 14. All those led by God's Spirit are God's sons, for you did not receive a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you received the spirit of adoption. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to take that as a, as, a, as, a, as a title for the spirit, a name of the spirit, the spirit of adoption, by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. Yeah. The spirit himself testifies together with our spirit, says so two spirits here, The Spirit, the Holy Spirit, is testifying together with my Spirit, with our spirits, our human spirits, that we are God's children. And if children, also heirs. Heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, seeing that we suffer with him so that we might also be glorified with him. When Jesus was um, baptized, there was a voice came from heaven. He said, This is my son, whom I love, with whom I'm well pleased. And then it goes on to say um, that, that he was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. It's a characteristic of sonship. Sons of God are led by the Spirit of God. Every time you, you, you hear him speak, you, you feel that urging, you, you feel that discomfort because something's not right. He's working through your conscience. Every time he leads you like that is further proof you're a child of God. Rejoice when it happens. He, he's proving your sonship. He's proving his fatherhood. And he's declaring, this is my daughter, whom I love, with whom I'm well pleased. This, is, this Here's another son of mine. Not the firstborn, of course, but here's a son of mine, and I love him, and I'm well pleased with him. He leads his sons. This new way of living involves really personal, direct interventions and promptings and warnings that come from within. It's to be our regular experience. You know, adoption, um, adoption was not a Jewish practice but it was common in Rome. And a child um, who was chosen to inherit his adopted father's name and his adopted father's estate would be legally recognized as a son. And then um, all his previous family ties would be severed. Then he had his debts cancelled. And this, this adopted son and then embraced a new identity, a new status, new responsibilities, and new privileges. And it's interesting, isn't it? Um, verse 15, he says, You didn't receive a spirit of slavery. You'd think that he'd go on to talk about almost like the, the contrast with slavery would be freedom. But, but Paul goes even further. This contrast is, is not just freedom, it's adoption. And in this church in Rome where there would have been slaves in amongst the congregation, I wonder whether this concept of being adopted was like even more significant than being forgiven. Maybe there's some amongst us this morning where because of your past, your family situation, the, the way the way you grow up in your natural family, this concept of adoption into God's family, it kind of means everything. He's adopted me. I'm a son of God. I'm a daughter of God, legally recognized. All those previous family ties severed. My debts have been cancelled. I've embraced a new identity, a new status, new responsibilities, new privileges. And there's something else. I can call him Abba, Father. This word Abba was a, um, it's an Aramaic phrase, but it it became used um, amongst the Jews as a way that children um, address their fathers. Um, but it was never used of God. And then in, um, in, in Mark 14, Jesus himself refers to the Father as Abba Father. But here in Romans 8, Paul saying this is the privilege of all of us now. It, it, was, it was a phrase that was, was very tender, very personal. It, it, it wasn't used of God, but it is now. He, he's, not our, um, he's not our daddy as such, but he is Abba Father. It's very personal, it's very tender. Um, I, I read this little, little quote about it. It said, No servant would ever address a master by a name so dear and so tender. The use of such a name is the exclusive privilege of sons. We are children of God. We're in a new family. We have a new status. There's a place for you at his table. He is the spirit of adoption. It's, it's his task. It's his work. It's his joy. It's, it's his delight. And he lives within us. And he stirs us to know God as Father. And he, he, he calls out from within. It's like deep calls to deep. The spirit <laughs> testifies with my spirit and witnesses And my spirit witnesses back again that I'm a child of God. It's as if the spirit is saying, David, you are a beloved son of God. And my spirit calls back, Yes, I am. I am a beloved son of God. Deep is calling to deep. This is the new way of living. And then, verse 22. I've missed out a few verses, but verse 22 says, Not only that, but we ourselves, who have the Spirit as the first fruits, we also groan. He's talked about creation, nature, all of creation groaning, awaiting glory, awaiting, awaiting the, the liberty, the freedom that will come when God restores all things. He says, you also... Um, um, where are we? Verse 22. We know that the whole creation has been groaning together with labor pains until now, and not only that, but we ourselves who have the Spirit as the first fruits, we also groan within ourselves, eagerly waiting, waiting for adoption. Now that's not that we've not been adopted, but but the public manifestation of that is still to come. The redemption of our bodies. And now in this hope we were saved, etc. Hope that is not, um, hope that is seen is not hope, but we are eagerly awaiting something we've not yet seen. This is a new future. All of creation, there's a cosmic groaning going on. All of creation is awaiting its restoration, and we're waiting too. But whereas creation can only cry out to, to a creator, we can cry out to our Father. And unlike the rest of creation, we have the first fruits of what is to come. We have the Spirit as the first fruits. Ephesians talks more about that. Now we experience things in part. This new life, this new life in the Spirit, we experience many things in part. We have the Spirit as the first fruits. But we are tasting the powers of the age to come. How many of us speak in tongues? It's a power of the age to come. How many of us ever... Feel we hear God speaking to us. It's a power of the age to come. How many of us believe we can talk to God in prayer? A power of the age. It's kind of this is something from the age to come brought into this age. We can receive words of knowledge. We can move in gifts of the Spirit. We can hear God speak. We can experience healings. These are superpowers received in this age and they're given to those of us who have a new future as part of our new way of living and there's one more thing but it's brilliant verse 26 in the same way the spirit also joins to help us in our weakness because we do not know what to pray for as we should anybody ever experienced that I'm not sure how to pray But the Spirit himself intercedes for us with unspoken groanings, more groanings going on. And he who searches the hearts knows the Spirit's mindset because he intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. There is a new prayer for us. The Holy Spirit comes to help us in our weaknesses in our in our in our when we don't know what to pray when we don't know the big picture when we're not sure the best outcome the holy spirit comes to intercede that word means to rescue someone who's in trouble yeah. i love that the holy spirit can certainly administrate the sensational things but he also knows when we're struggling yeah, right. and he comes alongside and i don't Fully understand this, but he says he intercedes for us. I think that means both for us and for us. Yeah. He's interceding on our behalf yeah. for us. But I think he's praying for us. Yeah. I think he's interceding for us. Like we read of Jesus intercedes for us. Yeah. With groans sometimes, but but isn't this isn't this almost the most magnificent superpower? We can talk to God, and it says, and, "and He who searches hearts." I think I imagine the, 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 the God the Father, he, His searchlight, is searching hearts. When He finds a heart in whom He sees there's an intercession of the Spirit going on, and the Spirit who has, who the Spirit has the mindset of God, and the searcher of hearts. Finds finds a heart in whom, in which the Spirit is interceding. Mm. And now we're talking powerful prayers. The Spirit will always intercede the will of God for us. He'll always be praying for the lost. He'll always be praying for the church. He'll always be praying that his kingdom will come on earth as it is in heaven. When those kind of prayers are the prayers that the Spirit stirs in us, Man alive, we've hit the bullseye. This is our new way of living, church. I realize we're out of time. The pressure's off. There's no condemnation. And there's no separation. The Holy Spirit has come alongside us. Lives within us. The Baptism in the Spirit... The life in the Spirit are essential for all of us. It's impossible to live the Christian life without the Holy Spirit. Um, But we're not without the Holy Spirit. So it's perfectly possible. And I guess in conclusion, I just want to say this. Let's be those who yield our lives to him. Keep a tender heart. Respond when he speaks. Let him shape us, let him mold us, let him convict us, cause us to change. Let's embrace a new regime, a new way of thinking, a new aliveness, a new victory over sin, a new family to be part of, a future which we're receiving in the present age, and a new power in our prayer lives. Lord, may we walk in all of it. May you find here amongst us a church living in the Spirit. A church without, under no condemnation, but living in the power of the law of the life-giving Spirit. May all these things be ours, Lord, I pray. Amen. 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 I think by way of an appeal I'd just like to say this there's some other things just to finish the gathering if there's something here this morning that you know you need somebody to stand with you maybe today's the day you begin a new life with Christ maybe there's some crippling things from the past that you're just unable to get free from we can stand with you and pray with you maybe there's something in your body where an aliveness needs to come Something in in mental health, perhaps. But I'll leave the Spirit to speak to you about all of those things. And we'll be happy to pray with you afterwards. Amen. Thanks for joining us today. Search for us online and get information about upcoming events and more great teaching.